0: cycles, sexual health and hormone changes can have massive effects on our well-being and function as a vagina owner. And here on the juice, we're passionate about education and celebration of being female. The vagina dialogues, your manual to keeping everything running smoothly. <laughs> We have Motivational Mondays, we have Mindful Mondays, we have Money Mondays, and this week is Menstruation Monday. Do you like mm-hmm. what I did there, ladies, with my alliteration? I did. I love it.
1: Very <laughs> <tricky>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is my pleasure to welcome back Amanda and Sahara from Weaving the Red Thread, and Today we're talking about we've. I really feel like we've made some inroads in educating people about cycles and how it's. You know, there's different types of our, different times of our cycles, different hormone changes. Uh, you know, and I've noticed that people who I speak to are starting to go, yeah, I'm really paying more attention to that. So we're definitely making some inroads. Go us. Um, right. Yeah. But today we're going to talk about something that a lot of people maybe don't realize is very connected to our hormone changes throughout our cycle and that is libido.
1: Yeah, so our libido is directly for women linked into our biochemical or our biophysical mechanisms within our body. Yep. So it's, it's a very hormonally driven function. And so often I'll have women that come into clinic and, and they start to tell me about all these things with their menstrual cycle. And then at the very end, the last comment will be, oh, and I don't have any libido, like nothing. There's, there's, it's all gone. Mm. And it's, it's a real education process to start to look at what's happening hormonally for that those women, what's happening in terms of meeting their cyclical self-care needs and their own emotional self-care needs as well. So probably the best way I've ever seen this described was there was a picture of a man's libido and it was this on-off switch. Yes. It was like either it's on or it's off. Either the testosterone is there and it's driving, you know, a great wake-up every morning with lots of testosterone or it's not there. Women, it's like the dial code of the I don't know, you know, those old fashioned planes that have all the different buttons and yes. levers and knobs and yes. so many things. Yep. Hormonally that need to be in balance. And if we add on the emotional layer and well being and self care up and up we go until we find a comfort level with libido as well. So there's a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Lot. I see that. And I know that um, I have spoken to our, our relationship therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, about this. And from a woman's perspective, um, she describes it as um, like when she has couples that come in and go, this is an issue for, for them. Uh, she describes it like uh, a bath. And the bath starts out cold and we want to raise the temperature of the bath slowly. And we don't do that by, you know, she's in the middle of, like, cooking the spag bowl and there's kids everywhere and, you know, grabbing her on the bum and going, okay, you know,
1: mm. and
0: expecting the bath <laughs> to be hot, yeah. um, <laughs> which I love yeah. that analogy. I love yeah. it. Um so put the effort in yeah. to warm the bathtub up. And, look, for me, and we were talking about this yesterday because we were
1: talking about, like, what is, Take to get really good libido because in the first part of your cycle and leading towards ovulation, we tend to be to be pretty driven from our internal mechanisms. Like our hormones are driving us. If we're not on the pill or we're not on hormonal disruptors, it's driving us to want to create. Yes. Again, you know, logically, maybe we don't want that, and you know, the choice is not to have more babies. Great. But our body, our mechanisms, our pheromones change, our smell changes, we look particularly attractive to other people as well. Like we we become shinier yeah, as well. So it's very different in that stage just to get an interest in libido as opposed to, and our body starts to create, you know, more lubrication and it makes us yeah. more aware. There's more intensity in, in the, the, the vulva organs and things. Yeah. So... In the second part of our cycle, none of that's helping you. So, yeah. from, a, from a partner's perspective, like you have to do a lot more of the work. So, when we were talking about like what what gets you in the mood, what's foreplay? For me, it's seeing my husband wash up. <laughs> like yeah. One of my jobs being not on my list anymore.
0: Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. That time. mental load. Just, yeah. 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 We underestimate, don't we, uh, as women, how much that can just weigh us down and just, Tire us out sometimes before the day starts, you know. We're just like, oh, we've got this list, you Mm -hmm. know. And then you get to the end of the day and all you can think about is going to sleep.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And so we were talking with that second half of the cycle, the luteal phase and the premenstruum, of how important it is of creating spaciousness. Mm. And for Amanda, having those dishes done was creating spaciousness where she could actually start to relax. So in that second half of the cycle where we're going, you know, hormonally more internally, um, we can be a lot more sensitive to the outside world. We can be a lot more critical of ourselves. We can be a lot more judgmental and it can become a really heady place and there's all the stuff that we need to do as women and um, mothers and business women and as partners and there's not a lot of spaciousness to actually be in our body in essential way. And our hormones in that particular part of the cycle too are not supporting us either because our estrogen is dropping, our progesterone is higher. Um, and so if we're in relationship, we can actually communicate with our partner and go, okay, in that part of my cycle, if you can support by doing these things, That helps create spaciousness for me, which helps me to relax, which helps me to get out of my head and into my body and be more available for emotional, sensual and sexual connection.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love it. Um, Okay. Mm. So we talk about, so going from the beginning of our cycle now, our hormones are, are on the rise. Our estrogen is coming up to, so we're getting up to to ovulation and i guess as you were saying i mean that's when i find i found it really interesting just to circle back to something that you said that we actually appear more shiny to other people um because we're just we we forget um with everything going on that we are really wired for procreation that's you know, yeah. if we look at the Maslow hierarchy of needs, um, you know, uh, that is like fairly one of, the, one of the main ones, you know, is that we are, you know, we need sleep, we need food and we need sex. Um, <laughs> yeah, down the bottom. So, yeah, it's um, really interesting to me that, yeah, we, we actually present um, hmm. more attractive to everybody yeah. when we're in that phase.
1: When they look at, um, there was a really interesting study done in, um, oh, I can't remember exactly where it was done. I want to say like a topless bar, but I'm not 100% sure that's where the study was. But it was in a bar with waitresses and it was based on how highly they were tipped right and they got the most tips consistently at ovulation didn't matter about the night of the week didn't matter about where that woman was positioned in the business the most relevant indicator of how well her tips would go was where she was in her menstrual cycle that is so at ovulation we just present in a different way and for some people when there's this hormonal irregularities or there's imbalances that can feel really triggering like it can bring other symptomology up with it so we can get more anxious um we can have clients have presented with um you know they have more symptoms more rashes more irritability around ovulation where some people might get that at different times of their cycle so there is this beautiful um intensity at ovulation of the luteinizing hormone really surges and we get lots and lots of estrogen around that time and we get lots of different expressions of that throughout our body. Yeah. So, yes, it's for most people it's this really shiny space. For some people their experience is very different. So I just really encourage everyone to sort of connect in with what does it feel like for yeah. you around ovulation. And do you know when your ovulation actually is?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because not everybody does. So it's good to, to get some awareness around that. Yeah, yeah. And just bringing awareness, too, that if you're on a hormonal
2: contraceptive device, mm-hmm. then it's a very different experience as well because you're not actually ovulating. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a hormonal, a synthetic hormonal rhythm that's going through your body, not a natural one. Um, mm-hmm. So therefore, one of the side effects can be libido issues mm-hmm. because you're not actually in sync with your natural hormonal rhythm, which creates a biophysical libido. Um, which is affected then by your external stimuluses as
1: well.
0: Yeah, awesome. That's
1: not even considering (laughs) that when we take the pill, this just blows me away. So when we're on oral oral contraceptives, we choose to partner with people who smell similar to us. Yes, they have more of a genetic similarity. That's not ideal. No, actually, you want different. A, yeah. and so when we when we choose a partner, when we're not on hormonal, hormonal contraceptives, we are much more likely to choose a p- partner or be attracted to somebody who is genetically different to us. So we're hardwired to seek out, even within our partnerships, differences for our genetic lines that come through. Yeah, and that's so different, and and, and it is based on so many things other than just you know this wanting to to partner with someone different but it's really interesting when you look at having the oral contraceptive oral contraceptive in place when we're choosing our partners yes before we want our fertility journey so it's it's just up for question there's a new documentary coming out on the pill soon so we'll have to have a big chat about that oh
0: yeah absolutely I mean that's that's really fascinating and um Mm -hmm. yeah it makes a lot of sense for my past dating choices Anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) what we might do is uh, take a short break and we'll be back with the ladies on Minstrel Monday. That's what I'm calling this segment now. Uh, (laughs) Very shortly, Amanda and Sahara will be back with us on The Juice.
1: juice, juice,
0: Well, we're back with... Amanda and Sahara from Weaving the Red Thread and it's time to do something that we um, have made a little bit of a ritual here every time we do our segment and that is the cycle check-in. So, who's kicking off today? Amanda, are you kicking off?
1: Yeah, me. I get to kick off today. Okay. So... Honestly, we actually embed this in it, in our meetings as well. Really helps to normalize just checking in with where the other women in your life are yep. and what what their needs and and how to relate and engage with them as well. Right. Um, so I'm on day 26 and I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling quite capable still, which is great because my three children are sick. Right. Um and in theme of, like, libido awareness, there's not a lot of libido kicking along for me at this point in my cycle right towards the end when there's a lot of extra people's needs yeah. in the way. Um, but, yes, different story earlier in the cycle. But, yeah, that's me. Welcome. Okay.
2: All right. How about you, Sahara? Me? I'm day two and i um, I'm feeling in that place between the divide of the linear world and its needs and the cyclical world and its needs, and that, you know, I have a choice. I could override the dissolve that I feel of my mind into my body and my senses, um, and also I need to be present to function and do work. So it's kind of being in between and choosing of where the presence is. Am I functioning? in a cognitive way, and now I can dissolve into my body. And when I dissolve into my body, I've got a very sensual awareness in my breasts and my nipples, um, but I'm feeling a little bit crampy in my womb. So it's an interesting um, two places in my body and, you know, my words are less and I'm more internal and it's just a more sensory place if I let go of my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm day four. So, um, yeah, we're sort of a bit close there. So, yeah, I went through that, um, that two days and I was, I was quite crampy this time. Um, and I'm sort of starting to come out of it, but I'm very tired at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm very, you know, like I'm, I'm sort of really having it's an effort to sort of do a lot of people at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very wary, like aware of um, where I'm at at my cycle and what um, my energy levels are like and what I need to be doing to – nourish myself and, uh, and, and get through this time. Um, Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, I guess a little bit like you, Amanda, uh, is that um, the universe isn't stopping for me. So I'm really trying to balance that out and, and make that time for myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it looks like micro doses. Yes. It might be, you know, when you, when you're getting things ready, or you're doing something that you just take a minute just to stop. Like often we'll put on a timer just for one minute and stop just for a minute and breathe or light a candle that helps bring a better smell in. So at least you've got that like (sighs) bigger breath that comes in and helps to ground you down or a cup of tea. You know, it's it's finding these moments to come back down into self-care, especially if you have had a particularly busy bleeding time. Like if you had a lot on your plate for the last week or so, you'll really feel coming out of this into the the next phase of your cycle as your hormones start to come up again, you may feel like you need to protect your energy a little bit longer. Yeah. And don't just like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Often when we see things falling down around.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so we've been talking about libido um, and how the cycle can affect libido, and we've gone into sort of how um, certainly leading up to ovulation, it um, you know it it's very present. Mm.
1: Um, so
0: where does it go from ovulation?
1: <laughs> Generally down. Yeah. not for everybody as we spoke about like the more self-care that you've got in place the more spaciousness you've got um, the more in your body and comfortable with your body you are your libido will go up from an emotionally connected place yep Um, but in terms of the body's needs we actually in this space stress and busyness plays a bigger role in how our libido shows up rather than really our hormonal balance, because our hormones here aren't designed to drive libido. What's yep. going to impact your libido mostly is your feeling of depletion or exhaustion um, and how that's expressed in your body. So if you're running all day at work or you've got lots on your plate all of the time, your the flow and impact of that is that it drops your oxytocin your feel-good hormone, your orgasm hormone, the one that's, you know, the love hormone, which some women can really struggle with in this second part of the cycle because, you know, if we take one step back further, layers upon layers, right, with women, knobs, buttons, levers, all of it, when we produce lots of cortisol, which is our stress hormone, even if we're not stressed and we're just busy and on the go all the time, what happens is that it drops our progesterone level. And progesterone is that hormone that keeps us calm and happy and nourished and it builds up the lining in the womb and it keeps us from turning into like angry dragons. Yes. And so if we drop that because it gets transferred into cortisol, so we're already busy and our nervous system's like primed on edge, and we get some more PMS symptoms of the body because our now our progesterone and estrogen are out of balance. We're cranky, irritable, we're more likely to be on an emotional roller coaster, more likely to have pain, more likely to have this exhaustion fatigue um, in this second part of our cycle. And you can imagine, I'm not gonna feel like being in relationship. My libido is probably the last thing on my brain. Yeah. I wanna feel better first.
0: yeah I get that yeah yeah does that make sense it certainly does it certainly does and I guess that this would be um I guess when someone comes to see you in clinic and they go look my libido is a problem I guess Mm -hmm. the first step is understanding how the cycle drives that and hormonally what's going on in the body but then particularly for that second Part of the cycle that um, there are a lot of things that are going to interfere with with your libido, and yeah. um, really having a look at how you can create that spaciousness um, in that time, so that you know from an emotional perspective you do feel like um, you know engaging with your partner because yeah yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. it'd be it'd be so great as well if um, you know if we could uh, do like a little you know YouTube how to um for the cycle for, for the blokes as well, you know. Um
1: yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> do to read the,
0: the room. Do the dishes here, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, feed the cat here. Yeah. Put the kids to bed here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and just
1: like be there and ready here. Like yeah. it's it we when we deeply understand our cycles and our rhythms, our, we can teach our partners yes. about them. And we can do it in a way that isn't um in the heat of intensity, I yeah. guess, at, at that time. It's it's working together and understanding each other's rhythms because men have a 24-hour rhythm. They don't have a 28-day rhythm. Yes. Women are particularly unique. We're not loved in research papers because we're very, very different. Yes. From here to five days time to 10 days time to 26 days time. We yeah. we change. And we actually change over our menstruality timeline as well. So how we feel in our early years is very different to how we feel in our mature years. And so it's starting to shift these taboos of even discussing libido from a women's perspective and acknowledging that libido may not be present not because of an emotional or an exhaustion need, but actually a biochemical one as well. And one of the best ways you can support yourself is when you're listening to us chat, you know, we always talk about cyclical self-care. Yes. What do you need to support yourself? And those practices don't need to be complex. They just need to be consistent throughout the cycle.
0: Yeah, and thought about. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And one of those cyclical self-care
2: practices, particularly with libido in partnership, is communication. So how we do our cycle day check-in, so we're orientating ourselves with each other if you can orientate yourself with your partner by sharing, because remember, there's a huge taboo around menstruation and the menstrual cycle where we don't talk about it and most women are not that aware that they are cyclical and in a menstrual cycle because all of our awareness and education is about the pre and the period, not the menstrual cycle. So the more that we can start to feel that in ourselves and communicate that to our partner, he or she becomes more aware of what our needs are and therefore can have consideration and step in and then cycle upon cycle, they can start to see the patterns and start to go, oh, okay, like Amanda's husband, if he does mm-hmm. the chores when she's in the luteal phase, that gives her spaciousness and he knows that. Yeah. So he knows that if he wants to be intimate with her, I do the dishes mm-hmm. because and that creates conditions. spaciousness <laughs> for her to relax and be present for us to be intimate so you know a libido self-care practice is to feel comfortable in communicating your needs so that you can be available to actually have your libido stimulated especially in the second part of the cycle where it's not driven by hormones
0: yeah love it and i'm starting to understand why my partner got me a dishwasher for christmas Um, (laughs) Not as silly as he looks, my boy. Uh- <laughs> He's a plan ahead kind of guy. He certainly is. Probably completely unconscious, but yeah, my, my dishwasher is called Sven. Very pretty. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, I, I he got he got uh, ragged out from work for getting me a dishwasher it was one of the best presents i've ever got and um yeah as it turns out it works to his advantage so he's not as silly as all that is he there we go, <laughs> there we go. ladies thank you so much for joining us once again uh for this segment it's absolutely fascinating and i really thank you for bringing all of these to the table we hope you've learned a lot i certainly have um in this in this segment today it's been awesome so thanks so much for joining us on the juice once again
1: and I would just finish up by yep. saying, don't su- If your libido's low, go see somebody, go get support from an atropath, go work with the count, like a, a therapist, a sex therapist, yep. you know, reach out. You're not alone. Yep. This is really, really common.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. That was Amanda and Sahara from Weaving the Red Thread, and you're listening to The Juice on Newcastle Live Radio.